The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. It's sex out loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. After 10.15 tonight, we focus on sexual compulsive behavior, uh, something that other people call uh, sex addiction, uh, whatever you want to call it. We know that some people have trouble controlling their sexual impulses and do get themselves in a state of a deep distress. So we'll address that after uh, 10.15 and discuss something called sacred sexuality, a term you might have seen thrown about here and there. We'll get an explanation for that. That's coming up after 10.15. But first... Let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. You can also email me your questions anytime to Lori at DrLori. Dot com Or feel free, of course, to uh, connect with me right here, right now, even by phone at 514-790-0800. And if you have questions throughout the uh, the show, and you can send them in, and towards the end of the show, I'll try and get to uh, whatever I can get to towards the end. So I got this email. It says, hi, I'm from Toronto. I contacted you once last year, and you your advice was so helpful to me. I tried to listen to all your shows, and the information you give always benefits me with my partner. Um, I'm married for about four years now and very happy with my husband. I try to fulfill his needs and his fantasies. For the last two months, my husband is trying to convince me to have a threesome for his upcoming 40th birthday. He wants to involve his brother or one of his best friends. He's saying it's going to be only one time trying and I am so confused. I can't think of what I should do or say to him. I feel like he's going to ask again and again if I let him do it. Your advice has always been good. Can you give me your suggestion? So, I think I want to throw this out to you guys. Uh, I want to hear some of your thoughts on this. I'm not getting a, I'm kind of getting a very uneasy feeling from, uh, from this email to tell you the truth. I'm, I'm getting the sense that her partner uh, or your partner may be putting a lot of pressure on you and, um, that you don't, you're not into it. Like this is, doesn't sound like something you've fantasized about or something you want to do. And sexuality is not just about giving to somebody else, but also it has to sit well with you. Think about how it's going to make you feel. So this isn't like, oh, I'm going to do whatever you want because it makes you happy. But it has sexuality is shared. It has to make both of you happy. I'm not saying that occasionally you can't do something uh, f- for your partner that uh, you're not maybe not crazy about, but it's not something that you, you would never dream of doing, for example, uh, every once in a while. And, and, but it should be a reciprocal kind of, uh, relationship. Um, it sounds like he's putting pressure. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I think that's not really, uh, a healthy approach and he wants to involve his brother. That's your brother-in-law. So how are you going to feel 
after that. He said, your, your husband's saying, oh, it's just a one-time thing. Okay, but there are repercussions to this. Like, how are you going to feel facing the brother-in-law, facing the best friend, who you will see throughout whatever, your, your, your life and, and, and your, your daily life. You're going to see these people. And how do you think you're going to feel? If this is going to make you not feel good, you should absolutely put, set your boundaries and say, absolutely not this. I'm absolutely not interested in this. It's keep it in your fantasies, but it's not going to happen. You are allowed to have your sexual boundaries uh, and any partner who pushes and pushes and pushes is frankly showing a lack of respect for you and a lack, a lack of respect for your boundaries. You need to get you and your partner into therapy to get somebody else to tell him this so that he hears it, not just from you, but from a professional. Uh, one texter writes in, if your partner forces you to do what you don't want to do, tell him to take a hike. He needs to get his head examined. And it's not, what's interesting is he may not be forcing in the traditional sense of the word, but when you push and you push and you push to get your partner to submit to your demands, it's another form of forcing. That is not consent. I want to make that very clear. Submitting to a partner's demands or pressure just because you want to shut up your partner, you don't want to hear it anymore, or you just want to whatever, and you so it, it, you end up submitting to that pressure, that is not consent. A couple more texts. If you're both not into it, don't do it. It's not healthy to the marriage. Stand your grounds and say no. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that texter. Like, don't do it. You, if this is not both of your fantasies, then it is, it is not healthy to the marriage and it might end up doing some serious damage. Another text writes, what kind of husband wants you to have sex with his brother? Okay. There's another one. Uh, another texter says, yikes. If she ends up doing it, I suggest either ask him to also engage with his best friend. It is better if they find swingers. So it is not so nerve wracking as someone who has had threesomes, two men with one woman can be exhausting. I would prefer if the guys would engage with each other too. Another texter, this is not fantasy. This is plain weird. Well, to tell you the truth, threesome fantasies are probably the most common fantasies out there. But fantasies, it doesn't mean everybody wants to go ahead and, and act out this fantasy. The weird part, I guess, and, and what's probably that the icky feeling that I'm getting and I'm sure you're getting, is that he wants his brother to be the other guy or his best friend to be the other guy. So I'm not sure what that's about, what that says, but anyhow. Another text writes, when you perform sexual activities, it should first be for your pleasure. So it's about shared pleasure. If it's not if you don't get pleasure from giving pleasure and you don't have a good feeling about it, then that should be an indication for you that it's something you should not 
be doing. It has to feel good for you. Now, sometimes we can give pleasure to someone. It doesn't necessarily feel physically good for us, but it, the, the feeling of giving our partner pleasure feels good. But this is a situation. This is not just giving your partner pleasure like, hey, I'm going to perform oral sex on you. It doesn't, I don't necessarily get anything out of it, but I love to see you enjoy something I'm doing to you is different than um, you putting yourself in a position, in in frankly, a risky position, even emotionally risky, so he can watch you have sex with someone else or he can, um, you know, participate while someone else is, is handling you or, or whatever doing to you. That's, that's very, very different. Two very different scenarios in my books. If you have any thoughts about that, we can continue to talk about that towards the end of the show. Uh, coming up, Sandra Lax is going to uh, join us. We're going to talk about uh, sacred sexuality. I'm not sure what all of this actually means, but I've seen enough Facebook posts and people posting about the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine. What are these concepts? Let's clarify. the stigmas every night with passion on CJAD 800. Tonight we focus on sexual compulsive behavior otherwise known in some circles as sex addiction. We focus on that once a month. doesn't matter what you want to call it. We do know that lots of people uh, do have trouble controlling uh, their sexual impulses and get themselves into trouble and into a state of uh, distress. So uh, we've got Sandra Lax with us who uh, helps us navigate this area. She's a certified sex addiction and trauma counselor and here to uh, to help us dissect some stuff. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Lori. It's good to be back. Uh, great to have you back. So we hear a lot of talk and I've seen quite a few posts from people about uh, sacred sexuality or uh, maybe the, the sacred masculine or the sacred feminine. Uh, it's a little bit confusing. Maybe you can describe this for us. I would love to. So, you know, as a certified sex addiction therapist, I'm often talking about the darker sides of sexuality. And for people who don't know what sex addiction is or sexual compulsivity, it's really uh, similar to using any other substance, alcohol or drugs, but in this case it's sex, to numb out from life in many ways. Right. Um, and so you replace sort of alcohol with sex and uh, there's sort of a getting high and numbing out process to it. And uh, in that, I'm also talking, uh, spending much time talking about healthy sexuality. Right. Um, and, uh, and this new sort of conversation has emerged in, in this, in the field around healthy masculinity and healthy, fe- and healthy femininity. And I'm, I'm fascinated by it because what I've come to learn is it really challenges a lot of the stereotypes, particularly gender stereotypes and what we're taught of how to be in relationships. And, you know, we know the divorce rate is about 50% in the U S and about, well, I think it's at 40%, 40 percent, 40 something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Canada. And, uh, and this new um, information that's emerging, and it may not be new, it may just be coming into the consciousness in, in the mental health field in a different way, and certainly in particular in the field of sexuality in different ways. So really, you know, it, the best way for me to explain it 
and uh, is like is you know we all carry masculine and feminine energy and um, and in the same body and there are particular ways that we use that masculine or feminine energy so if you think about you know I think about women emerging in uh, you know in their work environments and taking on higher you know higher roles and having to use a lot of energy to actualize goals and close deals and things like that that's typically known as you know sometimes masculine a masculine energy. trait right 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 mm-hmm. and then you know with the with what's happening in the world of you know uh, emotional growth in terms of men receiving messages of uh you know it's okay to talk about your feelings whereas old messages was you know uh suck it up and soldier on or, or above all else don't be perceived as weak you know men are now being called to lean into more of the feminine energy and talk about what's happening for them internally not just sort of chase power or chase women or right. do those I wonder if they were rewarded yeah I wonder Sandra if this is why we're hearing a lot about uh, and I talked about this on the show but an emerging kind of movement men's cuddle groups and things like yeah. that yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a direct correlation. I can't imagine that there's not, though, from my, my you know, my personal yeah, uh, thought sense. process. Mm-hmm. But because, because I, as, you know, as I, as I said, you know, we all carry that masculine and feminine energy. And so when I, you know, as I've been uh, doing more research around healthy sexuality, this, uh, what's been emerging is, you know, unhealthy masculinity uh, versus healthy masculinity. And so this comes, so I did some research to prepare for tonight's show in order to be able to explain it. And this comes from a lot from, um, it's a, a Laya, uh, Tantra, uh, school, which is based in Australia. And, um, what they talk about is that unhealthy masculinity is competitive. It's attached to success. It's cold and distant. Uh, there needs, you know, it's, it's driven by a need to be right. Uh, to blame, shame, you know, and tame, and it moves away from love, you know, and, and some of the ways, in, and this is really aligned with, you know, sex addiction. A lot of those things are, you know, we're talking about external motivation right. versus internal connection, um, you know, and so, you know, unhealthy masculinity really bypasses the emotional body with addiction, work, sex, drugs, alcohol. Healthy masculinity, on the other hand, you know, is about holding space and being present with allowing whatever to arise and not thinking that you need to have an answer or to fix things, but actually holding space and creating safety to be deeply present. You know, not typically what we think of when we think of masculinity. Right. So this, it's fast, this is fascinating to me. I think it's a whole new level of what we're calling upon you know, ourselves and others to do. And, you know, and, you know, this healthy masculinity is reflective and it's internal and it's grounded in its people. Some of the things we talk about recovery being oriented in, um, you know, it's discipline and it, it's, it's about truth and integrity, truth, trust and integrity. So, you know, the, again, this really, really aligns with recovery from sex addiction. Right. And on the other hand, the unhealthy masculinity is really about, you know, why people use sex to, you know, to numb out or get high is to avoid the internal world. And I just want to clarify again, it's not, we're not just talking about all men, all women. It's the, the, plenty of women also have what we would call these masculine um, traits or or energies or however you want want to call them because a lot of what you say like at the when you say it's about the, the success or the the driven to success and things like that there's plenty of women who have that too so it's not Absolutely. just that and again it it's it's centered in oh sorry Lori. no no go ahead 
it's centered, you know, we have both of those qualities inside of each one of us, right? And so if I think about, you know, we're not talking only about heteronormative coupleships, you know, if we're looking external to, you know, to having masculine and feminine traits inside each one of us, but also thinking about, you know, couple, uh, homosexual couples where one tends to be, you know, lean towards more masculine and one tends to lean towards more feminine or, or, or not. So this is really for, for every person. Um, and, and when there's an, un, an imbalance is when there can create disharmony. So if we look at, you know, that we've talked about unhealthy masculinity, now let's talk a little bit about, you know, unhealthy femininity, which is, you know, some of the traits we see in, you know, in many movies in the stereotypes of women, which is, you know, insecure, critical, needy, manipulative, like afraid of <laughs> High <God>. drama. <laughs> High drama, exactly. And, and really desperate and inauthentic, you know? And so when I think of... How do you know, we get there? How do we get oh there? My, I think from a lot of messages. I think, I think a primary message that might have contributed to it. And I don't know, I'm, I'm only, I'm, you know, I'm learning this stuff right now and I'm fascinated by it. And I think I'm going to dive deeper into it. I'm, or I see myself diving deeper into it is um, we're uh, women, uh, you know, and feminine energy is taught to be nurturing and self-sacrificing. So, you know, ignoring our own needs (laughs) yeah, and putting other people ahead of us, but but that doesn't get us anywhere because then we feel like our needs aren't being met. Well, of course they're not being met because we're not asking them to be met. We're, we're putting other people at more high priority and, and we're not talking about children, right? We're not talking about kids that need taken care of. We're talking about partnerships. Yeah. Adults. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. And friendships. So, um, you know, in, in conversely, healthy femininity is grounded and it's receptive and it's reflexive and it has really strong boundaries. And, and I love this term. I love how, um, uh, you know, the Alaya Tantric School put it is gracious strengths. Hmm. Isn't that like, isn't that a great term? <laughs> yeah. Gracious it's, strength. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, strength based in grace, you know, and I, and I think a lot of women and not women only, but, you know, men who also identify more in the, you know, with us, with femininity, that, that may we all practice gracious strength, not aggressive strength, not bullying strength, but gracious strength, that, right. you know, rooted in asking for what we need and expressing our needs from a place of self-love and self-worth. And, we're, uh, we're, and it's really vulnerable. Right. We're talking to Sandra Lacks, a certified sex addiction and trauma therapist, talking about sacred masculinity and sacred femininity. These, I guess, they're not really new terms, but they're coming to light more. And I think so much more because of the Me Too movement and looking at a lot of talk about, you know, female empowerment and a lot of talk about how we're raising boys and like we obviously as a society have created this space where um where we're not teaching men to be connected to their emotions when they have emotions it's like we we end up having this belief that oh men don't care or they don't have these emotions but we don't give them the space to express those emotions and so they are more likely to turn to addictions and substances or sex or whatever it is to yeah. be able to quiet whatever turmoil is going on inside because they don't have the tools. Many, many are not taught the tools. It doesn't come naturally. These are things that we are taught uh, that we're not teaching or that yeah, haven't been I- taught. And who knows if it does come naturally and, you know, the messages haven't beat the crap out of, 
the natural piece, right? So, yeah, you know, we don't I, know. I'm so mm-hmm. grateful that we're having this conversation and that, you know, um, you know, again, it, it roots back to a lot of what I talk about or work when I'm working with people about, you know, uh, what sex addiction is and the darker sides of sex is and, and when sex is used as a way of disconnection rather than a way of, you know, connection. Um, because sex is really a beautiful, it's meant to be fun and beautiful and pleasurable and connective. And, you know, it, things go awry when it's not. Yeah. Um, so learning about these sort of return to what is sacred and what is, um, you know, what can be practiced is uh, is really, has been really Very important. Eye-opening and, and also... And also something that needs to be looked at uh, starting very young. So we, we need to explore what we need to do to teach uh, men and uh, girls and boys. And we'll, we'll continue that conversation uh, with Sandra Lax as it relates to sexual compulsive uh, behavior, which is a way to quiet down some of that anxiety that, that isn't being expressed through uh, the discussing emotions. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJAD 800. Once a month we focus on uh, sexual compulsive uh, behaviors, kind of the ugly side of, of sexuality, not the, uh, the, the fun and the, uh, the healthy sexual side, but really the unhealthy sexual side. Uh, and tonight we're talking about something that's uh, interesting. It's a, it's a different concept, a different way of looking at it, but really it's the same old story uh, about sacred sexuality or sacred masculinity and sacred femininity, just new terminology, sounds a bit new agey, but really talking about this, how we socialize uh, boys and girls so that as they get older, they, lo- they lose, the, like men, for example, don't have the tools often to express a lot of what they're feeling, identify what they're feeling, like be in that moment, in that emotion. They have a hard time with that. And that's associated with oftentimes uh, forms of addiction as a way to, um, to, to just numb oneself uh, from these emotions. So we need these tools and they need to be taught young. So we have to, as a society, we are all responsible for this as parents, as raising, raising boys, raising girls. This is all something we should concern ourselves with. And especially in this era and uh, with all that we're hearing and all that we are exposed to and all the abuse that we are now hearing about. So this is something that is important. It's an, it has to be an ongoing uh, discussion, should be taught at home, should be taught in schools. At least that's what I believe. Uh, to help us navigate through this uh, as well is Sandra Lax. She's a certified sex addiction and trauma therapist who joins us uh, every month. Sandra, what do we do? Like, where does it all <laughs> begin? Because this is like a, this is a, a tall order to undo decades and decades and decades of upbringing. I mean, I think what you just said is is where we begin. We challenge the messages, recognizing that we are humans first. And, you know, we are, you know, psychosocial and emotional beings, uh, each one of us non-gender specific. And so, 
you know, the, the, the work that I teach as a certified Daring Way facilitator um, from the research of a woman named Brene Brown, who has a wonderful Netflix battle out called The Call to Courage, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are two messages that are really rooted in shame, uh, that are divided by gender. So shame is, you know, shaming messages are divided by gender in the 400,000 pieces of, you know, human data that she's collected over 20 years. And the first one for, for men, there's one shame message, which is above all else, do not be perceived as weak. As weak, right. Right. And, and you know, sex addiction is so rooted in shame. And it's also many, like, like other addictions, it's rooted in a movement away or repression from feeling. You know, it, it's a way to numb out from feeling. So, um, so I think the antithesis to that is actually feeling and speaking truth and being vulnerable. And I think, you know, the world, based on where we're at, there's, there are movements around wanting to, ha- you know, to hear um, particularly men uh, present themselves as men as not uh, people who are driven for power, as not people who are bullies, as not people who violate others, because, you know, that's a small percentage of the population that have done that. And men, you know, so many of them are, are, are desperate to be heard and to connect in a different way. Absolutely. Um, and women, you know, the number one shame message for women is uh, body image, hmm. right? So, so uh, rooted in, like, thinness, and, and the next message they get, above all else, don't let them see a sweat. So if you take those, you know, and I think we can all, as women, especially, you know, two women talking, we can all relate to that, right? We're not supposed to look tired. And, you know, we, and we have overdone our roles. Yes. Right? And so, uh, so there is, a, you know, I think that things are, are that, you know, with the movement that you mentioned are course correcting. And we have to be really careful of the messages that we tell ourselves. I mean, I, I have to tell you, like, in a, as a, you know, in my professional life and also in my personal life, it's very frequent that I'm talking about body image with, with friends and with, you know, clients alike. True, yeah. And, you know, I, and I know so many women who won't go out if they feel like they've, you know, put on a couple pounds. It's just, it's hmm. so narrowly focused. I mean, what about the fact that our bodies work? And so, you know, there, this all ties in. Again, I don't, I want to say that we're, we're speaking about sex addiction right now because sex addiction is the objectification of, of bodies and over-sexualization. And we, where it, it, it removes the humanity from people, right. men and women. Right. And so, you know, again, this is a call for humanity. This mm-hmm. is a call to um, to integrate both our masculine and feminine sides in a really sacred way, almost in a divine way of recognizing that we all have, you know, dark and light. And we also all have, uh, you know, like I said, a, a psychological um part of us an emotional part of us and a social part of us yeah and that that's human and that 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 it's human human. not male or female and i think that's where we uh we we make that uh we try we try to make that distinction as if one is female one is male and as you said the shame of appearing weak but what's weak who decides what what weak is why is showing emotion weak Right. It's like, I, you where know, does that come know, from? I think it's been, <laughs> it's been a message that's been passed down from, you know, from man to man to man to man, which is, you know, don't, you know, you're, you're I, I mean, I've heard it myself, like, you know, don't be a wuss, don't be a pussy, don't right. be, you know, don't cry, boys don't cry, men don't cry, don't, 
I mean, you hear these messages over and over, and they're reinforced, you know, in your family home and, you know, in the, the corporate world and also in the, you know, in the in the educational world. I mean, these are the, the systems that raise that. Right. But I'm optimistic you know, and, because yeah. I'm seeing more changes. I'm seeing uh, certainly uh, more men around who are more nurturing and who are showing this to their sons as well. So I, I do think it's changing. I just, it takes so long for yeah. uh, these messages to, to get through and to, to such a large extent, you know, the way that it, that we got all these messages in the first place was centuries of this kind of stuff, right? This is not yeah. going to be undone just because Sandra and Lori are talking about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wish if it were the and case. And I think every drop matters though, Lori, you know, I think every fight, every challenge of the, the sort of rules or guidelines or messages means something. And because, you know, obviously we have an issue there, you know, sex addiction uh, currently, and, and I'm, I'm actually in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona right now, about to attend the symposium for the International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals, okay. the governing body for certified sex addiction therapists and certified mental addiction therapists. And the most recent research is that uh, sex addicts makes up, make up about 5 to 7% of the population. Mm-hmm. That's a really large percentage of the yeah. population. It's so a lot of people. something is wrong, you know? Yeah, we something is wrong to, with, yeah. but it's so it goes deeper than that. That behavior is all it is. Like we have to look at what is it that sets the stage yeah. for this to happen. And and to me, that's uh, that's the most important thing. And I, you know, coming up, I, I want to ask answer this question because you brought it up earlier about uh, you know in same sex uh, same sex relationships where. Uh, that power dynamic uh, could be different, could be the same, but I have a good question about that. So, and nurturing and male nurturing and all of that. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, with Sandra Lax. She's a certified sex addiction and uh, trauma therapist who joins us uh, every month. A very interesting discussion on what is healthy or sacred uh, masculinity and femininity. What does that mean for you? Let us know. This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Discussing healthy sexuality or unhealthy sexuality and what it is to truly be uh, masculine or feminine and those traits that we are taught, unfortunately, which can lead us to express or deal with uh, emotions through addictions, which of course is not a healthy way to deal with emotions, but we need to teach this to both males and females. So uh, Sandra Lax joins me. She is a a certified sex addiction and trauma therapist. Uh, Sandra, this texter writes, could it be that gays as a couple, one is the nurturer? So I don't think it has anything to do with uh, being gay, of course, but or that it's an, a necessity that there's one who's a nurturer and, and and one who is not. I think this just shows that it you don't have to be female to be a nurturer. Absolutely not. You know, I, and I and I think that you know that I think you know this is this again. I'm I'm really coming into this uh, learning new, so I'm 
by no means an expert. I'm just I'm devouring this information because it's so fascinating to me and it really aligns with the work that I already do in a deeper way. So, um, I, you know, what I'm coming to learn is we all have these traits inside of us because it makes up humanity. And so um, I don't, it's not specific to one person or another. And I think partnership makes up, you know, a balancing between. Yes. I think it's important mm-hmm. that we all learn how to nurture. I think it's important that we all know how to take action. I think it's all, you know, important that we practice vulnerability and authenticity, regardless of what gender we are, and regardless of what sort of role or, or um, partnership we're in. Absolutely. Um, I think yeah. of, I just, I think of my, my own life and I have a husband who I would consider more nurturing than me if I was yeah. to really think about that. And he learned it, unfortunately through trauma because his mother passed away when he was a young teenager and, and then he had to take care of a younger sibling. So he had to be nurturing in, in many ways, but developed this. But then it meant that our kids, our girls could see a man who was nurturing which to me was so important as a mom of uh, of girls as well, so that when they uh, are ready to marry, that they will naturally, hopefully, find uh, a man, if that's what they're looking for, then a man who is nurturing as well, that that is a possibility because they lived it. It's so beautiful. I mean, I'm, you know, the fact that he came from uh, to it from trauma is not, you know, is, is devastating. And may we not have to have, you know, like I, I you know, it, it, in, and in terms of my work, you know, it's it's not dissimilar, Lori, when I'm working with a client that uh, specifically a spouse who's been, you know, betrayed uh, from sex addiction or or someone who's struggling with sex addiction, is is may not take a crisis for people to learn about how to show up humanely and kindly and respectfully and with integrity to their relationships and be able to hold space for one another, you know, and, and take action in a relationship and, and move and partner in a way that's really effective and also at the utmost level of respect. You know, an old a supervisor, she's not old, I mean, she's, you know, not spring chicken, but she's, I don't mean, mm-hmm. a past supervisor I had named Tia Melody, who's done a lot of work on boundaries and codependency and addiction um, and really revolutionized the field in many ways. Used to, in supervision sessions, she used to say, you know, Sandra, respect is the minimum of love. Yeah, definitely and the minimum. Yes, the minimum of love. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the, when we're lost in shame, when we're in, uh, you know, addictions, and particularly in sex addiction, it's very disrespectful to our own selves and then to the people around us. Absolutely. And so, may we learn? You know, I think sacred masculinity and sacred femininity and sacred, you know, and the healthy sexuality, particularly, is about holding things respectfully. On that note, Sandra, I respect you greatly. I listen to you. I smile. You're like a guru to me, <laughs> talking the way you do. I, I love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Enjoy your vacation. Me time. Thank you. Thank you. All I right. You take it. care. I'll come back with lots of good information. All right. Oh, Wonderful. Okay. I'll speak to you next right. month. Talk take care. Okay. Uh, I want to go back and answer some uh, questions, as, as I promised I would. So I, I just want to share a couple more texts. Uh, related to this uh, person who wrote in to me, who is listening, I hope, uh, and hearing what you have to say, but her husband asked her uh, to, or uh, not just asked her, pressuring her, I believe, to have a threesome with his brother or his best friend uh, for his 40th birthday. Uh, she's afraid if she agrees that he's going to keep asking for it and he won't, she, he won't ever leave her alone about it. So, 
my thinking is why would you agree with it in the first place if you're not okay with it? That's uh, one. So that a lot of texters uh, have uh, chimed in and said, let him invite his mother and climb back where he came from was one. Another one, when your threesome involves a sibling, you should seriously go for help. Another one says, don't psychologists uh, have a name when siblings or other family members want to participate in the sexual activity together? Well, I think you're talking about incest, and that would be if they were engaging in it, if they were uh, fooling around together, although I still think it's weird. But there you have it. Uh, another question is, is the divorce rate high because people marry for the wrong reasons? That could be one reason, but I think people marry with false expectations of what marriage is supposed to look like. That to me is the biggest factor in why people give up on, uh, on marriages. They think that it's going to be good all the time. They think they're always going to want sex. They think that the, the frequency is always going to be the same, um, we have, a lot of people have unrealistic expectations of how they should feel in a marriage forever. And, uh, and that's just simply, unfortunately, what leads people down a path that says, well, I don't feel that anymore, what I did in the beginning. So you know what? Uh, I'm out without, uh, learning the skills required to make a long-term relationship work, which is, yeah, you're going to have conflict, but how do you resolve the conflict and how do you negotiate? And these are important elements to uh, a relationship. And as Sandra said, respect, that's the minimum of love. Another text writes, I think being emotional is often regarded as being weak because it opens you up to someone, thereby making you vulnerable to judgment and whatnot. Um, I agree with you. That's the perception, but being able to be vulnerable to someone else is actually strength, not weakness. Weakness is shutting, it, when you shut down your emotions, when you shut yourself off and cut yourself off, which of course can lead one uh, to, um, to addictions much more easily, that's weakness. Strength comes from being able to be vulnerable in a safe space, of course, and, and with somebody that you care about, etc. So that's important as well. But thank you for, for these messages. Uh, I got a text, uh, not a text, I got an email. Last night you mentioned how somebody develops a foot fetish. Uh, can that work for other body parts, like the armpit, for example? I think you wrote in about that armpit fetish before, I think. Um, I talked about how, yes, for some people they can make a distinct uh, they could identify a time in their life where they were interested in feet, for example, or where they were exposed to uh, women's feet. I, I gave the story of a, a young boy who used to crawl around. Uh, his mother, his parents used to have parties all the time, and they, the women would take off their shoes, and so he would be crawling around looking at all these feet. Uh, so, um, I don't know about armpit, an armpit fetish or where that connection is made, but some people simply like the smoothness of the skin or it just find it an erotic part of the body. It's not so much a fetish though, as much as a, an erotic part of the body, I think, unless you need that armpit to do things with, I don't know. Then it becomes a little more than that, right? Thank you so much for uh, spending uh, your precious time with me. Really, really appreciate it. I want to thank our technical producer tonight, Brian Kalisar. 
You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Thank you.